Welcome to the Acts 29 U.S. South Central podcast. I'm Bob Thune, and I'm glad to be your host for this episode. Acts 29 is a global family of church planting churches. The U.S. South Central network of Acts 29 is focused on church planting in the states of Nebraska, Kansas, Missouri, Oklahoma, and Texas. And on this podcast, we take the best content we have on church planting and church leadership, and we make it available to you to equip and encourage you in gospel ministry. On today's episode of the podcast, you'll hear from my dear friend, Kevin Cawley, pastor of Redeemer Fellowship in Kansas City. Um, A few years ago, we gathered in Oklahoma with the pastors from our network, and Kevin did some teaching on what it means to be spiritually present as a leader. Um, The consensus opinion of these set of talks is that this was some of the most helpful stuff anyone had ever said to us about the nature of pastoral leadership and the uniqueness of a leader's presence. So in this episode, you'll hear Kevin talk about four questions we need to ask in order to be spiritually present as leaders. This is part one of Kevin's talk. Let's do something in this moment that I really do think could be transformative for your life. I really do think it could be transformative for your congregations, but it's going to require you to play. It's going to require you to participate. So let me, let me tell you what I've been chewing on over the last year because I got frustrated in the process of discipleship. Anybody there? Like walking with people, training leaders, trying to do the work of discipleship is just frustrating. And one of the primary reasons why it was frustrating to me is people don't just innately know what I know. I mean, like, that's maddening. There's not a chapter and verse in the Bible about that for me. Like, they're just supposed to get it. It's just supposed to be born. It's just supposed to be with them, and it's not. And I've realized over the last decade that just telling people to think stuff and do stuff is not really working. Hey, you should read this. You should think this. You should do this. And I'm not seeing the kind of life transformation that I long to see, that I pray to see, that I beg God to bring about in the life of our church. So I started asking, like, how can I get what feels intuitive to me into the life of our people, where it's relational, it's connected, it's not just What's your problem? Like, how often is that the underlying question you have with everyone you meet with? Like, what's your problem? Well, the real question is, what's our problem? That we're not instructing them and laboring to form in them the image of Christ as ambassadors of Jesus, telling them the good news about how everything he came to do for them changes everything in them. Not just in the way they think, but in the way they relate, in the way they see themselves in the way they function. So I did work just trying to figure out like, what does it look like to take what to me is, I mean, this is foolish too, right? Because I'd say this is a no brainer, but I wasn't born with this. Someone taught me this. Someone shaped this in me. Someone invested their life in me. And in fact, many people have invested their lives in me. I've been discipled in God's ludicrous mercy by lots of people. I don't know if you tell somebody that, you say, I've been discipled by people, and they're like, what did that look like for you? And they give you books, they have you meet with them at five o'clock in the morning and memorize scripture. Well, yeah, maybe, but like they actually just brought me into their lives and showed me how they lived. 
and showed me where Jesus met them at those critical points of intersection where the grace of God intersected their shame. So I started trying to ask, how can I bring what's been invested in me and share it with others? And I've come up with four questions that for me initially was just an assessment question for myself of how can I begin to create a process or create a paradigm to share with others the life-transforming power of Jesus in me. But I'm beginning to see it's something way bigger than just a personal diagnostic tool. I think these four questions can literally become for you not only a paradigm to reshape and transform your own presence, I think it could become a paradigm for every single leadership and discipleship relationship we have. Like, I'm not offering you a silver bullet. I'm not telling you like I have the one-stop shop for something. But I do, I do think that these four questions can not only be transformative in your own life, not only be profoundly helpful and descriptive in your own life, but they can also shape the way you interact with every single person in your church whether you're a directional leader and senior pastor, whether you're an intern in your church, whether you're trying to train worship leaders or whether you're trying to train parking lot volunteers and take it out of the context of the gathered corporate worship of Jesus, whether you're trying to like navigate stuff at work or at home or with your wife or with your husband or with your children. These questions have really shaped me and I wanna share them with you today. Here, here they are, four questions. Question number one, and it's a process, it's a progression. They need to be asked and answered in this order. Question number one, who am I? Who am I? Question number two, where am I? Question number three, what time is it? And question number four, how is God speaking into this moment right now? Let me say them to you again and then we'll walk through them together. Question number one, who am I? Question number two, where am I? Question number three, what time is it? And question number four, how is God speaking into this moment right now? All right, let's talk for a minute about question number one, because it's tempting to say, well, that's simple, that's basic, that's easy. Really? Who are you? Like, in this moment right now, answer the question to yourself, who am I? And is the first thing that comes to your mind, role? I'm a pastor. Is the first thing that comes to your mind, personality type? I'm an introvert. Is the first thing that comes to your mind, I'm a husband? That's a relationship. Like, who are you? And when you ask the question and apply the question to every moment of every second, like, who is the me that's standing in this situation? Who am I? I don't know how many of you guys are fans of Greg Thompson. I think he's done some amazing work. He leads a church somewhere in Virginia, if I'm right. He's written this, what, it's New City Commons. It's kind of the organization he's leading, this intra-ecclesial network. But he's written like this manifesto for his New City Commons. And what he's doing is basically saying, hey, young leaders, everyone in this room, here's what's required of us if we wanna be faithful in the church in our day. You should pick it up, it's pretty awesome. I think you can find it online. But in his New City Commons manifesto, Thompson outlines three fundamental tasks for renewing the calling of our church in our time. 
Task number one, he says we must reconsider the operative paradigms of the church. And what he means is we must reframe how the church integrates and interrelates and works within the world. That's point number one. He says we must do. We have to reconsider our operative paradigms. Point number two is he says we have to reconsider or recover our theological foundations. So we're not just pragmatic. We're actually functioning out of a theological vision for life and ministry. <coughs> and then the third fundamental task, Thompson says, we must have or must recover for renewing the calling of the church in our time is we must refocus pastoral perspective. I could not agree more. What is on us in this moment in time, brothers and sisters, is we have to reframe the way we relate to the world. We have to recover a theological vision for ministry so we're not just like applying dot-com strategy to church multiplication, which like, I don't know how much work you've done to think about the, the underlying ethos of the seeker movement in the 80s, but you know what? We've done the same exact thing, by the way. Like we can be really critical of that movement, but we've done the same exact thing as a new generation of church planters. We came of age in a boom of entrepreneurship. We came of age amidst the tech and dot-com bubble, and we've basically taken the practices of pioneering creative entrepreneurs and applied them to the life of the church. I think we need to think about our practice, and we need to recover a theological vision for the church, and Thompson is right, we must reclaim the real vocation and life of a pastor. That's why Eugene Peterson could be helpful for a lot of us. Those are Thompson's three points. I say all that because I think they're killer. I think they're critical. I think they're helpful. I also think they're incomplete because I think a fourth imperative I would add to Thompson's three fundamentals is we have to recover personal identity in ministry. We have to, we have to recover identity as, a, as like a, a, a functional starting place for everyone where we're at. And what's crazy is if you read theologians that do work on Imago Dei, for them, Imago Dei is all about human nature, not about human personality or human essence. And I really do think if we want to see like the church move and grow and transcend cultural impediments and multiply, we really do need to come to terms with who we are, who we are outside of a role, who we are outside of a personality type, who we are outside of a gifting, who we are outside of a relationship, but fundamentally who we are in light of our being created in the image of God and standing as one in need before the person and presence of God. I think to be able to answer the question, who am I, is the starting point for every single thing we do in ministry. And, and I'm, I'm just being honest with you, I don't think we do it very well. I don't think we do it very well. And as excited as I am about this renaissance in interest, in vocation for theology, I think we need to be really careful lest we let a theological you know, movement of vocation distract us once again from who we are. So I'll ask you the question again. Like for me, life, ministry, leadership, discipleship, multiplication, everything else begins with the question, 
Who am I? Let me ask you, what would it look like to bring gospel centrality out of the realm of theological, you know, point into personal and interpersonal relationships? What if gospel centrality wasn't merely a theological distinctive but it was actually a controlling, shaping reality in us understanding who we are in the core of our person, in the way we relate to other people. That's the fundamental question that we have to ask when we say, who am I? I think so often we're tempted to, instead of asking the question, who am I, to just, or instead of answering the question, who am I, honestly, to answer the question with, reaction. Well, I'm not that. Well, I'm not that. Well, I'm not that. Well, I'll never be that. And we actually function out of that as an identity for us. It becomes a controlling identity. Like, well, I'm not a priestly guy. Well, I'm not a people person. Well, I'm not a detail guy. Well, I'm not relational. Well, I'm not administrative. Like, that becomes functional identity for us instead of stopping and asking a deeper question of like, oh, wait a minute, who am I? Not as a reaction and not as a reflection. And what I mean by a reflection is so often we're tempted in relationships or in interaction with people to say, not who am I, but to begin with, who does he want me to be? Who does he need me to be? What role do I need to play in this moment? And you will live and do ministry out of that spot. I've been obsessed lately with the writings of Mary Carr. I don't know how many of you have read her, but she's a memoirist. She wrote um, The Liar's Club. She narrates her own conversion in a book called Lit, and she just published a new book entitled The Art of Memoir. Um, She dated David Foster Wallace for a while. If any of you guys are um, Wallace fans, that's how I got into her. But Mary Carr says, it's hard enough to be yourself without pulling the wool over your own eyes. Like, it's hard enough to see reality without operating out of this deception of, well, I'm gonna be reflective and just be who you need me to be or be who I think you need me to be or act the role that I think's required of me or to be reactive and say, well, I'm not that guy. Well, I am this guy. Well, I'm not that guy. Well, I am this guy. How much of your ministry flows out of confused identity? asking the question. And what would it look like if every interaction you had with every human being in your life, be it your spouse, your children, your pastoral team, or volunteers in your group, was born out of you asking the fundamental question, who am I really? Thanks for listening to the Acts 29 U.S. South Central podcast. For more information about Acts 29, go to acts29.com. For information specific to our work in the South Central U.S., visit acts29ussouthcentral.org. I know it's a mouthful, but it's nice and specific. That's acts29ussouthcentral.org. And while you're there, please consider 
joining us for the conference that we're hosting in Houston this October. It's a one-day conference on church planting featuring some of our best leaders and speakers. It's a TED Talk style format. So in one day, you'll hear from 12 or 13 different voices on different aspects of church planting. It's well worth your time and energy, and we've packed it all into one day to try to make the most of your time. You can find out all about that conference at acts29ussouthcentral.org. So please go there and check it out. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you again next time.